Welcome to our Mindfulness Podcast. Each week we will have a different podcast, different speakers, different chants, different Dharma talks. But mindfulness practice in Buddhism helps us focus and helps us be aware. And this program will consist of many different ways of meditating. We usually begin with bowing or gasho, then we prepare to sit, and we will sit for approximately 10 minutes. And then we will either stand and walk for another five minutes to kind of get blood into our legs again and and, uh, relax our muscles. And then we'll sit for another 10 approximately. And then we will chant, which is another form of meditation. Uh, We focus on the characters and we pronounce the sounds as a group. And it's a kind of a ritual of oneness. And then after that, we'll have a short Dharma talk of about five to 10 minutes. And then we'll close with Gasho. And this also includes offering incense. We offer incense, but you could also light the incense before the service starts. And this is kind of the program uh, of how our meditation services proceed. And so we will be getting underway today uh, with our program. Thank you very much. Before we begin our sitting meditation, you may choose to sit on a cushion or you may choose to sit in a chair, either is fine. First we'll center ourselves so that our back is straight. If you're sitting in a chair, you may want to sit forward in the chair and not use the backrest. This forces you to sit upright on your own. So if you're sitting in the chair, place your feet flat on the floor, place your hands on your thighs, And first we're going to gently rock from side to side. Gently rock from side to side. Gradually make that movement smaller like a pendulum that's coming to rest. And you will sense or feel your balance point left and right. Now do the same forward and back. Gently rock forward and back, forward and back gradually making that movement smaller and find your center point of balance forward and back. Now you're centered, your back is straight, you're balanced. Your chin is tucked down slightly. Your eyes are half open and half closed. Don't close your eyes completely during meditation. Half open and half closed looking slightly down a few feet ahead of you. Hand position, place your left hand into the palm of your right hand and your thumbs are touching, uh, forming a circle as if you were gently holding an egg perhaps and place your hands uh, over your navel area. Be relaxed, don't be tense during meditation. So you may want to raise your shoulders up and drop them down to relax your shoulders before we begin our first sitting meditation. Once you're settled, centered, and grounded, then at the sound of the bell, we'll begin our first sitting meditation.
Put your hands together in Gosho and bow. Naman doubles, Naman doubles, Naman doubles, Naman doubles, Naman doubles, Naman doubles. You may stretch your legs and then please stand. We will now have our standing meditation session. Your upper body is in the same position as for sitting meditation. Straight head and spine, shoulders back, eyes half open, hands comfortably positioned in front. Legs should be shoulder width apart with knees slightly bent. Again, rock forward and backward and side to side to find your center. Standing meditation reminds us to take our meditation practice out into the world. Waiting in line at the store, being stuck in traffic, going through TSA security at the airport. Over time, meditation becomes a practice for the body and mind that can be recalled when needed most, in situations that may be merely annoying, perhaps frustrating, or even stressful. We will begin at the sound of the bell. Please put your hands together in gasho and bow. Namo Amidabuts, Namo Amidabuts, Namo Amidabuts, Namo Amidabuts, Namo Amidabuts. Return to your seat or cushion. Sitting in this way, we might wonder what purpose we are achieving. 
actually there is no specific purpose. I think it's really to make us aware of what sitting is, what breathing is, standing is. What are these simple activities that we do most of the time without thinking about them at all? We'll begin our second sitting at the bell. Please put your hands together in gasho, bow, namo amidabutsu, namo amidabutsu, namo amidabutsu, namandabutsu, namandabutsu, namandabutsu. We will now begin our chanting segment. Chanting is another form of meditation.
through chanting, we have to be present in the moment as we concentrate on each syllable that's presented before us. It is a way for us to calm our minds and to be in the here and now. Today's chanting will be the Sambutsuge. We often chant the Sambutsuge in Shin Buddhist services. These verses are from the larger Sutra of Immeasurable Life, which was composed in India during the first century of the Common Era and translated into Chinese around 400 of the Common Era. It is a cornerstone text for Pure Land Buddhism in China and Japan. Shinran Shonin esteemed the larger sutra above all other teachings, and he devoted his life to its propagation. We will begin chanting it now. i 
Please put your hands together in gasho and bow. Namo Amida Buts, Namo Amida Buts, Namo Amida Buts, Namo Amida Buts, Namo Amida Buts. In Search of Meaning When we read different types of books, we actually read them differently. For example, when we read a cookbook, we simply follow the steps in order to get to the desired result a cake or soup or a main dish of some sort. However, A history book is read literally, while a novel is read for feeling or meaning. This switching of mindsets from book to book is so natural and effortless that we are rarely aware of it, but it is actually a pretty sophisticated process. You can imagine how poor a cookbook would read if we read it as a novel. It would lack any sort of plot or character development, and what would the meaning or message be if it concluded with a dozen chocolate chip cookies? The mixing up of cookbooks as novels is a trivial example. It would likely never happen, and the outcome of cookies instead of a conclusion is not too serious of a problem. But there is one non-trivial example where things can go quite wrong. This occurs when we read religious books as historical. These stories are often interpreted literally as a factual narrative about things that happened empirically, events that a camcorder could have recorded had it existed at that time, something that could be included in a documentary. But if the author had intended them to be read as novels or as grand myths, then we are missing out on the deep emotional and spiritual truth 
they are trying to transmit to us. It may be that this is a modern problem. It seems that ancient people read these religious stories for how they made them feel. They may have been more concerned with the meaning of these stories rather than their historical accuracy. They read them as novels, not as history. They were true not because they described something that actually happened, but because they were describing a deep spiritual truth. I shared this bias. When I first read the larger sutra, I read it literally. If Amida Buddha didn't actually exist in the Pure Land, then this text was false. It wasn't until I started watching The Power of Myth on PBS that I began to have an appreciation of myth as something that is more powerful than literal truth. Joseph Campbell was being interviewed by Bill Moyers on the importance of myth in our lives. This series is also now available on Netflix. Joseph Campbell was a scholar of mythology and taught that all great spiritual texts are grand myths that outline the spiritual contours of our lives. They are archetypal. They offer a spiritual template that each one of us can use to orient ourselves on our own spiritual journeys. It is as if we are reading our own personal spiritual diary. Soga Royjin, a famous Shin Buddhist scholar, felt that we need to see ourselves in the writing of the sages. This was a very personal experience for Soga. He describes it in this way. Astonishingly enough, when reading the writings of the sages, I have precisely the impression that the inner secrets of my own heart are all already perfectly revealed by the sages of the past. When reading the scriptures, I have the distinct impression of standing before Shakyamuni as a human being of 3,000 years ago, of entering a past world while transcending the present. In other words, the scriptures are a true mirror reflecting my heart and a commentary interpreting my heart. When Joseph Campbell characterizes religious texts as myths, he is not belittling them as not true. He is actually elevating these stories to a higher plane. He is not denying the importance of reason. He is instead redefining it and its purpose. In fact, reason has to do with finding the ground of being and the fundamental structuring of an order of the universe. It was only after watching all six episodes of The Power of Myth that I was able to find some traction within the Pure Land tradition. It gave me the interpretive tools necessary to engage these texts. I began to read them as novels and not as history, looking for meaning rather than facts. It is difficult to characterize the differences between Theravadan and Mahayana Buddhism because they are both so vast and varied. But one main difference concerns the use of myth. Myth exists in Theravadan texts to some extent, but in the Mahayana texts, myths are amplified to ensure that this is the only way they could be read. The larger sutra, the lotus sutra, and the nirvana sutra are all wildly mythological, overwhelmingly so. They are describing a spiritual landscape in which we all inhabit. What seems distant and strange is actually very close and intimate. We merely need to open ourselves up to the use of this type of language, one that transmits spiritual truth rather than factual truth, the former actually being more grounded in reality than the latter. To realize this, we merely have to change the way we engage with them. Please join me in Gasho. Namandouts, 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 namandouts. This concludes this podcast. I hope you feel grounded. I hope you feel different than when you began. And this feeling you have 
I hope you take it with you out into your everyday life. It's important to develop these qualities in a controlled environment like this podcast, but the aim is for the effects to begin to bleed out into your everyday life naturally. My wife once sent me a meme on Facebook that said, yoga works, but only if you show up. And I feel that way about Buddhism and about meditation. It surely works, but only if you stick with it. And you have to get to the point where it becomes something natural and effortless in your life. And if you have high expectations and you're trying to rush the process, you actually retard your ability to change over time. You don't want to grasp it. You don't want to hang on to it. You just want to experience it in a regular practice and integrate it into your everyday life. So thank you very much for coming. I will close with Gasho. Hands together and we will bow. For access to more content, please visit our YouTube channel by searching for the Orange County Buddhist Church. There's over 40 different videos, all about 15 to 20 minutes each, from Dharma Talks and Adult Study given on Sundays at the Orange County Buddhist Church by various ministers. Please attend online. Today's program was presented by Reverend John Turner, Reverend Marvin Harada, Reverend Ellen Crane, and Minister's Assistant James Pollard. Executive Producers, Reverend Marvin Harada and Jim Scott. Produced by the Buddhist Education Center of Orange County Buddhist Church, Anaheim, California, USA. Directed and engineered by Reverend John Turner. Edited by Jim Scott. This program includes excerpts from Time Stood Still by Riley Lee, used with permission. This program is copyright 2020, Orange County Buddhist Church, Anaheim, California, USA. All rights reserved. We hope you'll join us for future podcasts, or please check out our Buddhist online program at everydaybuddhist.org. Our website is ocbuddhist.org. There are Dharma messages that you can read on the website, and the online program has a number of Buddhist education courses from introductory level to the study of Buddhist texts. If you've never attended one of our meditation services, we are located at 909 Southdale Avenue in Anaheim. Thank you for joining us today.